So I wasn't planning to do a pregame podcast uh, before tonight's game versus the Panthers, but there's a lot of different things changed. Uh, there's some updates. So I want to talk a little bit more about uh, what I thought of the Lions tonight because the Lions did end up changing. I know I said yesterday that we had been told to not read into the uh, the changed lines in yesterday's practice, but the lines are different, and they're actually pretty much in line with what I had wanted to see. So I think that the Kane-O'Reilly-Reinhardt line, which is now the first line, I think Kane's the best fit at left wing for that line. <clears throat> and I didn't want to see it first. I didn't want to see McGinn moved off that line because he was playing so well with them, but I think that he's more than just a product of that line. Not like he's a bona fide top six winger all of a sudden, but I think that you can move him down to that Eichel line and not lose a whole lot out of him. And I think that he complements Eichel pretty well. With the Ennis injury, I think that makes the most sense. McGinn and Gergensen's on Eichel's wing. I think that line makes the most sense if you're going to put Kane up on that top line. So I really like those two top lines. Uh, Molson, Larson, Gianta, I think with the injuries, I think that's about the best you can get after those top two lines. Um, and then Flino, Schaller, and Legwand. Those those just make sense. I, I still don't know what it's going to take to get Molson going, but he with Larson, they seem to gel pretty well together in the Detroit game. And so putting Gianta next to those two, I think it makes sense. I'm not expecting a whole lot out of them, but I like the way that the top six is constructed right now. And I think when Tyler Ennis comes back, you can maybe insert him for Jamie McGinn, move McGinn down to that third line, and have some more flexibility with moving either Molson or Gianta down to the fourth line. Um, I love that Eichel and Gergensen's now are a thing. I had said in my Christmas podcast how I thought that would be a great combination, and it looks like Bilesma sticking with it, like he's going with it, and they should be a pairing for the foreseeable future. It seems like, though it hasn't been for very long, it just, they gel so well together, you almost see it like another O'Reilly Reinhardt pairing where those two really shouldn't be separate. And, and now that Larson has seemingly run with the third line center job, I think you can get away with it. Of course, I talked about in, in the December 25th podcast how I thought that pairing, that Eichel Gurrinson's pairing made sense because it would give Eichel the flexibility to move to wing. But also, if you remember at that time, Eichel was coming off a pretty bad stretch of games, and one of the main topics of conversation was, does he need to move to wing? But I also said it'll tell us a lot about Eichel to see how he responds coming out of the break, and he's responded brilliantly. And I think you have to leave him at center going down the stretch. You have to let him learn. You have to let him go through the peaks and the valleys, and he's going to be better off for it in the future. I don't think he's ever going to have to move to wing. Um, also, Carlo Koliakovo is in for Mike Weber tonight. I think what they're trying to do is Pesic's coming back. I'll also talk about that. He's going to be on a rehab assignment down in Rochester. But I think they just see this as Koliakovo's last opportunity to get, to get into a game for a long time. Because when Pesic comes in, likely he's going to step in for, for Weber. It's... 
it's possible somebody else could come out, but Weber makes the most logical sense, even though he's played pretty well over the last few weeks. And now Koliakovo becomes the eighth defenseman at that point. And whether if they keep eight defensemen, it means that Koliakovo won't play barring two injuries ahead of him or two guys getting demoted ahead of him. Um, or they may end up having to waive Koliakovo and sending him down if they choose not to keep eight defensemen. I currently, or I, I personally am a fan of keeping eight defensemen if you have the flexibility up front. And I think that they do when fully healthy. Um, you know, you have Schaller down in the minors. Um, you, you have 13 pretty solid NHL forwards, and you don't need to keep a 14th one around. And you've got enough guys you can pull up from Rochester if they're needed. Um, but so you've got, you've got that insertion. I've liked Koliakova when he's played this year. I, I'm glad to see him get a game, even though I, I have liked Mike Weber recently, and that's saying a lot after me really disliking Weber for most of the year leading up to that point. Also, Linus Olmark is in net over Chad Johnson tonight. Uh, I, I was expecting Johnson to start, but I like that Olmark's sitting the start. I think he's played better recently. Johnson's hurt the Sabres with some weak goals, and I'm glad to see Olmark getting getting some looks. And very similar to Koliakovo coming in tonight, I think with Leonard looking to come back hopefully within within two weeks, how many more NHL games is Olmark going to get before going back? Because it, he is almost certainly going to be the one that's sent back to the AHL when Leonard eventually comes back, and then you'll have Leonard and Johnson splitting the starts. So I think getting Olmark a, a start or two here is take an injury to one of those two for him to likely get another another shot up here this year. Or Johnson would need to be moved at the deadline, which is which is a strong possibility still. Um, also, I alluded to this in the past discussion. Leonard and Pesic are both going down on, on rehab assignments to Rochester. This is great news. With Pesic, I hope that when he comes back fully healthy, he's given a bigger role than he was given earlier in the season. I, I think he to date, has looked like the team's second-best defenseman, but he also wasn't playing a ton of minutes before he got hurt. So I think it's going to be great to see how he responds to increased responsibility, and I expect him to get increased responsibility with Bogosian still not playing that well and with your left side being so weak. Almost certainly, I think you're going to see Pesic be the guy on the left side. You're going to keep Ristolainen and Bogosian Franson down the right side. Pesic has most recently played the left side in the AHL last year and, and looked pretty good doing it. So <clears throat> I think it's going to be exciting to have him back and he's going to be able to push Georges, Georges and McCabe down the lineup, which they need to do. They're playing over their heads right now. Uh, Georges playing on the number one pairing, McCabe playing, uh, playing a lot of minutes, frankly. It'll just help with the overall team depth. And depth on defense has been their, arguably their biggest weakness all year. You can maybe say it's goaltending, maybe say it's secondary scoring from the bottom six. But depth on defense has really, really hurt them. And Leonard, he's still a wild card. I, I don't know what to expect. I know Murray loves him, was willing to give up give up a first-round pick for him. But 
what are you going to get from somebody that's been hurt all year, that was hurt over the off season, that you know he's been on and off in the NHL throughout his whole career. He's still only 24, so I believe in him. I I think he's going to be a number one goaltender at the NHL level. But what are you going to get from him the rest of the year? I really have no idea. Is he going to be that much of an upgrade over Chad Johnson? If he can provide at least average starting NHL goaltender type performances, then this team all of a sudden looks a whole lot better. And if you can get him back and you can get Pesic back playing like a number two or number three defenseman, then this team, their, their depth issues start to look less bad. They still have depth issues, even with them healthy, even with the whole team healthy, they still have depth issues. But the team overall looks a whole lot better. If you can just get, get, get just average goaltending and get the defense looking like, I mean, even just a below average NHL defensive unit. And if you can get some secondary scoring as well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but if you can get some secondary scoring as well, this team becomes somewhat dangerous. Um, now, are all those things going to happen? Probably not. And, I'm not getting my hopes up. I, I think they're still going to finish in the bottom five of the league, but I also don't think they're going to finish in 30th. That's another storyline tonight is if they lose in regulation, Columbus wins tonight, then the Sabres are in 30th place, back in 30th place, where we've we've really come to know 30th place over the last couple of years. But like I said in my podcast yesterday, it's not a bad position to be in, and I'm I'm not really fretting it. I'm not fretting it one way or the other. If they do come in 30th, then they're guaranteed a top four pick and a bona fide prospect in this year's draft. If they play their if they play their way out of it and they play their way out of that top five, then it shows that they've that they catch some fire down the stretch and some of those things I talked about earlier happen. You know, Pesta comes back and looks like a number two defenseman. Leonard comes back and looks like a legitimate number one goalie. Matt Molson wakes up. They start getting some secondary scoring, finally. Um, so at least a couple of those things would have to happen for them to catch enough fire, I think, to bring their way out of the basement. So it's a good position to be in. Uh, this will be a nice test tonight. It's always a treat to watch not just Yarmir Yager. I, like everyone, I'm enamored at how he's been able to keep playing. But also, I always like watching Brian Campbell. He's been one of my favorites since he was with the Sabres. And... Luongo, I hate him a little bit because he always owns the Sabres, but at the same time, I think he's a fun guy to watch play. I think he's a he's a real character and one of the you know one of the true characters in the NHL and all their young guys and watching them develop, watching guys like Barkov and Huberdo and uh, Ekblad and them take take steps. I think I'm gonna hate Florida more and more as Buffalo and Florida become bigger rivals because they're, they look like the two big up and coming young teams in this division, but Florida's a year or two ahead of where the Sabres are. And I'm just trying to enjoy watching some young talent play on other teams, just like I've been enjoying watching uh, the Sabres young talent play. So should be a good matchup tonight. I, I still think Florida's a piece or two away from, being a true contender, despite the the win streak that they're on. Uh, but even without that piece or two, they still have the kind of depth in the team defense that 
really tends to suffocate the Sabres. And, um, you know, late in games, the Sabres tend to become a two-line team, tend to become a maybe seven or eight forward team, if that. Uh, and it's tough to win like that night after night in this, in this league. And Florida, despite still being that piece or two short, their depth still will likely overwhelm the Sabres. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a shutout or a very low-scoring game tonight. Um, just with the history, uh, history with with Roberto Luongo and with how good the Panthers have been defensively, because not only has Luongo been great and put up great numbers, but Al Montoya has been great as well. So it shows that that team that team plays just great team defense. It's not it's not one goalie getting hot and just being out of this world. It's they're playing great in front of both their goaltenders and. They're, they're tough to play regardless of, of who's in that. And just a guy like Yarmir Yager, like I like I said before, he he's just fun to watch. You don't know how many more opportunities you're going to get to watch me still putting up great numbers. But it'll be it'll be cool to see Florida's next generation and Buffalo's next generation and then some of the vets that, that Florida has that have had, you know, Hall of Fame, in Yager's case, or borderline Hall of Fame in Luongo's case, type type careers. So enjoy the game. I'm going to try to do a post-game uh, podcast either right after, or maybe tomorrow morning or sometime tomorrow. So appreciate the listen and have a fantastic night. Uh, feel free to email me, markrgeis at gmail.com, um, with, with any questions, comments, concerns, uh, if you would like to call into the show, be a guest host, anything like that, uh, I'd really appreciate any feedback just to see what I can do better. So appreciate it. Bye.